yeah. are people in our house? And I'm like hopping. <laughs> people are looking at me like I'm crazy. But I'm just like, you know, people like us, it's hard to slow us down. Right, exactly. But I told him, I said, maybe, I said, like, do you think this injury is God's way of telling me slow down? Nikita? It probably is. You need to chill out. Yes. Um, oh and I still goodness. didn't do it. Oh. Until I got sick. And Until then I you got get sick. Up, couldn't and get out of bed. God was like, you didn't listen to what I sprayed so, you. Boom. <laughs> Lay down, woman. Slow down. <laughs> You're listening to The Sociable Scribes, two professional writers who work hard, play hard, and love to have fun on the job. Word stylist Nikita Rowell-Stevens and publishing consultant Kim Ely talk about the topics and questions they hear most often from their clients. Let's talk about writing, the good, the bad, and the awesome, while addressing popular questions and concerns from real writers like you. If you're a writer, someone who aspires to write, or just wants to learn more about writing and publishing and have a lot of fun along the way, welcome to the tribe. Here are your hosts, Nikita and Kim. Two writers who love to socialize. The sociable scribes. There's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of anticipation. Yeah. Because it's the only time where your whole year is kind of laid out in front of you. True. And it's very interesting because I I uh, was meeting with my coach um, last week and we were talking about you know how things are different going into different each year and we kind mm-hmm. of laid out some of the things and my goals and things for the business mm-hmm. and I said well it's interesting because I had some of these same goals at the beginning of 2018 yeah and what we realized is <clears throat> last 2018 was a year of laying foundation ah, for me yeah and while I had some of those goals and because because it's it's easy to get jaded when it comes to setting goals and get into mm-hmm. a new year and say well I had this goal last year and I've got this goal again this year is right. it gonna happen right it's Very not true. it's not that it's just the fact that I had those goals for next year and I had a lot of intention for those goals right but I wasn't ready to accomplish them yet ah there is a different feeling coming into this year yeah that I am armed with what I need to execute 100% of those goals that I set last year and I was setting the foundation for. Oh, that's awesome. Which is, I, I mean, I think that's a great lesson in goal setting and for people yeah. not to get discouraged because so many people set goals in January and then by March, you know, yeah. that's when the gym thins out. That's when I'm waiting <laughs> right. to go. Exactly. That, I hate going to the gym in January. Oh, it's the worst. Every I mean, machine I'm like, will taken. you quitters, please leave. <laughs> like, seriously. <laughs> Sorry, you're going through going, so hard. You're not going to be here next Please. month. Can you just get off the machine just now? Just go home. You are making my gym experience horrible. <laughs> That's too funny. Um, so. But very true. Very true. It is that very happens. true. So, I mean, you know. Yeah, but that's that. That's me. What about you? What's behind your curtain, Kim? Behind my curtain, I'm sort of in a similar mode. Yeah. I really took some. I did something I hadn't done since I started my business in November 2000. I mean, I had started my business earlier, but I really did it full time starting in November 2017. I realized mm-hmm. I hadn't ever really taken a day off. I had just been working, working, working. Like even when I went on vacation last summer, I took my laptop with me. So there we would be at, you know, Holiday Inn or wherever. And there I am, Jerry's asleep <laughs> and I'm typing on the laptop. And I'm like, I have got to take a break. Yeah. So I did. I took I took two days off. <laughs> I know it doesn't sound like much, but so, what a difference that made. Difference. And and taking better care of myself. I did something. I didn't tell you about this. I did float therapy. How was that? 
It was amazing. So you've heard of the float therapy, yes. yeah? So it's like a big giant pod and it's filled with water and a thousand pounds of Epsom salt. And you go into the pod, and the water is uh, 98.6 uh, okay. uh, body temperature. And because there's so much salt, you float. And so you go into it, and the idea is to relax. Initially, got in there. Initially, I was like, Could you okay. freak out? I thought I was going to. Not, not before, that before I tried it. So I was worried. I didn't feel claustrophobic, which was good, but they said you can you can crack the egg. You can you can <laughs> crack, crack the egg. egg, crack the lid open if you feel claustrophobic. You can either have the lights on or off, and there's music, so you can either have the music playing or not. Huh. I chose to have the lights off, and I think that was the right decision. Did you play music? I did play the music. Okay. You have um, uh, earbuds in so that um, you don't get water in your ears, but you can still hear the music through the water. Okay. But... It was like the first 10 minutes, I'm like, this isn't working. I was fidgeting. I'm like, what do I do with my yeah, arms? Yeah, because you're like me. You don't like to sit still. <laughs> no, I don't. I'm like, what do I do with my arms? So I put them over my head. So I do this. So I do that. Blah. And so all these thoughts are going through my mind. And then it was like everything clicked in and I just relaxed. And it was like, it was like I was one with the water. <laughs> now, how long was the session? Uh, for an hour. Ooh, so a long time. But it was fantastic. I didn't want it to end. Really? It ended and it, it was such a feeling of like it was like taking a nap while still being awake. What? It was like I just felt that peaceful relaxation and and I just melted into it. It was amazing. Wow. So I want to incorporate more of that into my life because I'm very um action oriented go yeah. go go to the point where it's like you know i'm gonna go 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 till my body passes out <laughs> yes yes well i will tell you one thing that slowed me down around the holidays is that yeah. i had a, i had this like a sprain like in my foot oh no but you knew i was talking around yeah i remember that and it was like it's lasted about four, three four weeks just holy FYI. cow so um, i'm better now i am feeling better now oh, good. which is one of the reasons why i haven't been in gym in the gym in january oh well good um, that and the people because, well, yeah. <laughs> so i you know when it started feeling better derek was like well i think you probably should don't try to do anything like any extra activity on it give yourself another week or two to That's let it smart. fully heal yeah the next thing i'm like oh god it hurts again because yeah. i mean it was I mean, it was literally like a three or four weeks of me not being able to put any pressure oh, on it, which is, I think it probably was a sprain. Yeah, it probably um, was. So, um, unfortunately, like right before New Year's, uh -huh. I was a little bit under the weather. Yeah. And so that. I was like in, in the bed, kind of like, so we didn't go anywhere for New Year's. Yeah. But I think inadvertently that helped me heal because it kept me off my feet because I'm like you. Yeah. I'm like running, running. Derek is like, didn't I tell you? Stay off your I'm like, it's Christmas. What do you expect? Yeah, there are people in our house, and I'm like hopping. <laughs> people are looking at me like I'm crazy, but I'm just like, you know, people like us. It's hard to slow us down. Right, exactly. But I told him, I said, maybe. I said, do you think this injury is God's way of telling me slow down? Nikita? It probably is. You need to chill out. Yes. Um, oh and I still goodness. didn't do it. Oh, until I got sick. And until then I you got get sick, up, couldn't get out of bed. God was like, "You didn't listen to what I sprayed so, you." Boom. <laughs> woman slow down <laughs> oh my goodness so yeah that's funny and now it's time for gregarious goofballs all right 
right, it's time for Gregarious Goofballs. Oh, what you got, Kim? Oh, lordy. Okay, so one of my very dearest friends, <laughs> Eric. So um, I was giving him a um, birthday card. <laughs> but I was in a hurry. He lives in North Virginia, so I had to run to Target. And I picked up a card, and I had I had already gotten a gift card for him, but I picked up a card card. Yeah. And I picked up several other cards because, you know, I'm like, well, I'm at Target. I might as well get all these cards. I didn't get a card for his envelope. Like I had cards, um, it, said, and it was a special size. So yeah. it, 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 so I picked up the card without the envelope. I was in a hurry, and so then I put the the gift card inside of the greeting card, and then it was inside of a, a gift bag with something else. Okay. And then he pulled it out, and he he goes, "You didn't even sign the card." Oh my gosh. <laughs> How personal are you? I know, exactly. We've only been like dearest friends for like 30 years. Oh my God. <laughs> so he's like, he looks at me and he goes, oh, this is good. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, you're never going to live this down. <laughs> so now he keeps sending me texts and saying, hey, um, it was great that you visited, but the best part was that special card. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> like, Shut up. So yeah, heartfelt greetings without an envelope or a signature. Oh, there you go. It must have meant so much. Exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, <laughs> my goofball story is not as um, it, it 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 takes me back a few years. Okay. Um, to my childhood, I was not the most well-behaved child. What? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and. I don't know what I did this particular day. I was staying with my great grandmother. Me and my great grandmother were actually quite close, um, cool. but I I did something to piss her off. Oh no! She um we're, we're from the country, just FYI. She chased me outside the house with a switch. Okay, <laughs> and um, I have never ran from a grandparent or a mother before, uh-huh. but I think I was terrified in my life, <laughs> and so. I knew I could outrun her. <laughs> and so I ran. I ran away from her and I ran about three blocks. Oh from my her. gosh, did you really? <laughs> I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't come back until it was dark and my mom was there to pick me up. Oh I'm like, you are not getting you me today. <laughs> I waited it out, man. I was like, like time mom get here. <laughs> Well, that's funny. She was not going to be waiting for me when I got there. <laughs> well, I don't know what I did. It must have been bad. That's she chased hilarious. me out there. How long were you there? I don't know. <laughs> I just know it was light when I left, and it was not. It was like dusk when I got back. <laughs> but she didn't catch me. <laughs> there we that go. That was the point. That was the point. She did not catch you. <laughs> I love it. So, Kim, I'm super excited about our topic today. Yes. Um, we're, we're talking about migrating from nonfiction to fiction, how far is the distance? And I think that we are very qualified to talk about this yes. because you are very much a nonfiction expert. Definitely. Um, and, you know, fiction is kind of my thing. Yeah. So <laughs> I think this is going to be a really fun discussion. Yes. I'm really intrigued by this. Yeah. So uh, the reason why we wanted to talk about migrating from nonfiction to fiction 
is because it's a greater distance to go from from nonfiction to fiction than from fiction to nonfiction. Um, there is so much of a difference in terms of the complexity um, of, of development and style when you go from one to the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is, we talked about a spectrum. Yeah. There's such a breadth of um, a variety from when you're looking at nonfiction, all that's involved there, all the way to when you're talking about from a creativity standpoint and you're looking at fiction, all the way to things like sci-fi and like creating like characters out of the blue, like a Lord of the Rings or something. Yeah. You know? yeah. So um, we, let's, let's start. Let's just, let's just dive in and let's talk a little bit. Let's start by talking about nonfiction and kind of dissecting that and what that looks like. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, going back to the, the spectrum idea. Yeah. Um, I think the most, maybe this isn't the right way to say it, the most pure form of nonfiction would be um, uh, journalism, like newspaper style writing. Yes. And I know you have a background in that. I do. I do, which is very ironic. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Uh, It's funny. But yeah, I I do have a background in journalism. And honestly, and I love it. I, to this day, love it. But journalism is really, it's all about telling the facts. You don't embellish. Mm -hmm. It is specifically, if you're going to say something and you're going to put it in print, it has to be something that someone else corroborated or said. And um, there's no creativity around that um, unless it's something someone else said. Right. Um, And um, it's just straight. It's very, very to the point. You can't get more black and white. Right. And journalism. Right. Um, so, so yeah, when you're talking about the very far extreme of nonfiction, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and then it, it, um, going towards the, we're heading towards fiction on this spectrum, Ooh. but <laughs> all the way over, Ooh, all the way over. But we, uh, start with, uh, like, um, journalism, like news, uh, newspaper writing. Mm-hmm. And then um, nonfiction gets into um, writing a book uh, or writing uh, an article based on your own expertise. Yes. And that's important because um, it, it, again, generally is fact-based. Um, you know, you, you, you've lived whatever role it is that you're describing. And so you're talking about it from this is my experience and this is what happened to me. And so there's an expectation of telling the truth, telling the facts, Mm -hmm. but you you can embellish a little bit more because you start to introduce opinion. And that's where you start to say, well, (laughs) from my experience, I did X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Um, now you could have a couple of different people write stories. Let's say real estate agents all decide to write their story based on their experience. Well, they may be in different markets. They may have different, um, you know, clientele. Yep. Their experiences, even though they are true to their stories, may be completely different. Yep. Um, and that can be reflected. Um, and then, um, and we just recently did the podcast on memoirs. Then yeah. you talk about the difference between biography and memoir, mm-hmm. which would be mm-hmm. a, if you write a biography of your life, it's kind of like just the facts. Yeah, <laughs> You're pretty just much describing it. But then you get to memoir, and you're heading a little bit closer to the fiction spectrum here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because there's a number of things you can do. You can tell your story your way. Yes. You can also change your name. Mm-hmm. You can also change the names of the people in the book yep. to protect the innocent. Yeah. <laughs> the innocent. How about that? 
Um, and so there's there's different things. And, and you had mentioned also um, there you can do a, a certain amount of embellishing. Mm-hmm. And that's perfectly legit in a memoir as well. Yes, absolutely. You're still sticking to the facts and it's still, I would say, should ring true, mm-hmm. meaning ring true. It's based on real facts. If somebody read it, they would be like, oh, yeah, I could totally see that happening. Or it's it's so I guess somebody could have a, a really wild career like they're a spy or something. Yeah. But but they talk about true events mm-hmm. in a way. And, you know, because they're telling their story, it's yep. authentic. Exactly. Exactly. So then um, we get towards um, nonfiction and writing about like even people who write like a self-help book, a how-to yeah. book, um, all that kind of nonfiction is based on experience. And then there's facts that would, you know, that would support that, that would support that. Yeah. Um, I think it starts to become more towards fiction I think that opinion piece of it that you, that you had brought up uh, when we were talking earlier is a huge part of it because the more you put your own spin on it, um, the, the, the less obviously you're moving away from that, just the facts, ma'am, kind of thing. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I think there's a lot of your own spin in nonfiction. Mm-hmm. I think, I feel like what really makes the, di- the, the plain difference, mm-hmm. the black and white difference between fiction and nonfiction is, I made it up. Yeah, that's you know? true. That's um, true. So if you're embellishing something and telling something that's based on your opinion, mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily think that's fiction because there's probably some logic behind it. True. Um, Good point. I could make up the most cockamamie story that makes no sense, and that's fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I mean, fiction is is really the ability to create your own world. Right. And and it doesn't necessarily mean I'm, I'm not going all the way to the other end of the spectrum and saying I'm creating my own world where I've got, you know, creatures and, you <laughs> right, know, right. I've created a new planet, which you can. That's, yeah, that's yeah. the beauty of fiction that Absolutely. I believe. Um, you create your own world where it's like, okay, I just made this character up. Do you, is this person based on somebody I know? No, it's not based on somebody I know. Mm-hmm. It's just someone who I just thought up in my brain mm-hmm. and I said, I'm going to make this person. Boop, there they are. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, that, that is fiction. Um, and um, for me, that's empowering. It's very exciting because yeah. it is, it is the uh, epitome of creative. Yeah. Um, just really being able to tap into your creative abilities and just, you know, just let it soar. And it's kind of like I told you before, and we talked a little bit about this in some of our previous episodes where I, I have movies in my head. I love that. I think that's so cool. It it sounds so weird. No, that's (laughs) awesome. And, and, but that to me, that's a sign of my creative ability. And sometimes I use that to inspire the things that I write about because I'm always, and it's, I think it's maybe a combination of maybe the books I read. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But there's always like, 
there's like one of my movies i'm like a rock star that's like, awesome it's so awesome it's like it's like this personification of myself like in this really awesome way um it. but it's, it's i mean it's just really cool and and so i i daydream about and i think i've been a daydreamer since i was a kid yeah so i don't know if yeah. i just go away and people are like nikita yeah hello hello oh oh hey i'm here, I'm here. you know um i've just you know i've, I've always been able to drift off into yeah. Yeah, world that I yeah. can create, um, which is, you know, I guess makes sense very logically that I want to write fiction because I'm yeah. already doing it in my head. Yeah. Um, and um, I'm not saying that that is a, a prerequisite to write fiction. Um, that's just, you know, that's just my, my story in yeah. terms of, you know, what inspires me. But I do think um the pressure that you have to write fiction is that the difference between fiction and nonfiction is people pick up a nonfiction book because there's a problem that they need to solve or they want to get better at something or this, this is, Oh yes, this relates to me. Right. People pick up a fiction book because it's, it's entertainment. It's like, Oh, that sounds like something good. I want to read it. They want to curl up by the fire or curl up in their bed and they want to read a good book. Right. And that puts a lot more pressure on you as a writer to create something great yeah, because you want someone to be able to just pick up that book for, you know, not because they have to, but because they want to. Right. And I think that's a, that's a really big, um, huge difference. Yeah. And and the competition with regards to what it takes to be able to get your hand, get that book in the hands of those people. It's a lot greater because a lot of people want to write fiction. Doesn't oh, mean everybody yeah. can write great fiction. True. Um, but a lot of people want to write fiction because it's sexy, right? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. The, it's the cool thing. Yeah. Um, but there is so much more, I feel like, that goes into creating a good fiction book. Right. As opposed to nonfiction <clears throat> because the, the, the really... The good, easy thing about nonfiction, uh-huh. particularly if you're a non-writer or if you're mm-hmm. a new writer coming into this, into that space, uh-huh. is it's very straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. Very straightforward. Yeah. Fiction is kind of like a broad, circular, like all <laughs> over the place, you know, kind of, it's not, there's no straightforward way to write fiction. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know... One, I think with any book, you have to make sure that you have identified your audience. And right, know right. Who is your audience? What do they want? What are what do people want? So right. that you're actually writing something that's going to engage people and get them excited about reading it. Um, the second piece, I find a piece that's very important to me as I'm sitting down reading a book that makes a difference is characterization. Yes, it's huge. huge. Yeah, you've just you know when you are reading a book and you feel like you are at one with yeah. that protagonist, that main character, yeah. like like you've been sucked into that world, yeah, and it's like you can't put it down. It's like oh, I know this person's favorite color is this and this. You know when you know them, yeah, yeah, and yeah. and the way you do that is different. There's different, um, I think, methods and techniques in terms of how you go about characterization and how mm-hmm. deep you go. Yeah, doesn't necessarily mean you have to know the person's their favorite color, but you can feel their essence, yeah, and know how they think how they process things, yeah. what they might make their, like when some, when there's like a, a big event that's about to happen in the book or whatever, maybe you can predict, oh, she's not going to do that because she doesn't like this. 
Like that's your ability as a writer to be able to bring your reader in and help them. Your reader needs to know these characters. Right. And that's the responsibility you have as a writer is really being able to draw them in in, and help them just like you get to know a new person when you're sitting down and having a conversation and you become great friends. You're doing it, but you're doing it and writing in a book in a much more condensed way. Very true. Very true. It's an art to it. Yeah. Um, I shared with you, I recently, um, I've been um, working on creating a zine, zine and comics. And so one of the things that one of the um, artists with whom I've been working um, uh, shared is something called a bio sheet. And you'll laugh because me coming from basically doing a lot of nonfiction, I'm like, oh, is that to write down your bio as the author? And he's like, no. He goes, this is how you define your characters. Yeah. You identify what they wear, what, you know, what, what they like and don't like. I guess you could identify their favorite color or, you know, <laughs> I don't know, you know, something like that. But it, it becomes so um, recognizable that it becomes like secondhand. I, I think about the show Friends. Yeah. And um, the characters on there are, you know, like the first season, you know, when when people were watching, you may not know who they are, but by the second or third season, you know, oh, well, Joey's not going to like that because, you know, Joey doesn't share or, you know, <laughs> yeah. Chandler's going to say something, you know, sarcastic or, you know, whatever yeah. fits in with their character. Yeah. You're identifying, you're creating their own little, you know, fictional life. Yeah, <laughs> which is exciting. I think it's I think it's really cool. So th- that that kind of brings to mind, you know, the whole process of outlining. Yeah. Um, because um, it, for what, one, I'd have to say outlining is, is, is really specific to the person. Yeah, um, that's I, true. I think the way you process information, it, it's going to dictate the way you outline. And for those of you that may be struggling with outlining, I know you don't want to necessarily hear this because <laughs> it's like, well, crap, tell me how to do an outline. And I... There's, I can't tell you how to do an outline because the way I do an outline is not going to match necessarily the way you do an outline. If you're someone who is very detail oriented mm-hmm. and very meticulous, mm-hmm. you're going to be a person that's going to do chapter by chapter. I want to say this, this, that. What, what, how about you, Kim? How do you do an outline? Does it vary per project or do you have a, a process for how you outline? It varies by project. Okay. Usually it will start with, um, I have a... A high level idea of, well, essentially, I want this to happen. I guess like you could almost describe it like, um, like people will say, uh, you have an elevator pitch. Okay. Um, you know, you, you think of the idea like, um, I have a, a young woman and she's struggling with um, being bullied at school and how she'll deal with it. Okay. You know, so yeah. start very, very high yeah. level. Okay. But then kind of work from there, like, well, you know, what 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 are her motivations? What ultimately I, I always like to see um visualize how she'll come out at the end and then work backwards. That always seems to work well for me. Because I I sometimes when I'm writing and it was it's flowing, I'll just sort of see where the characters take me. But sometimes, especially if I'm doing something as, as organized as a book uh, or a story, 
I want to start with the ending and then work my way backwards. That's just me. That's interesting. <laughs> so I am the opposite. Interesting. Um, I'm completely the opposite. Yeah. And my outline is my outlining process is a lot more loose. Yeah. Period, which um we talked about my the the book that um I'm finishing up now. The decision is very had a very very loose outline structure. Yeah. And but it worked for me. Yeah. But the real the reality is even with that even with my little outline. Um, I had an idea of the of the points I wanted to make as I was going through it. Yeah. I did not know what the ending was going to be until I wrote it. That's awesome. Um, and <laughs> it's it's just you know I think that's just part of my style. Right. And so for the next book that I'm working on, which is a true fiction book, which mm-hmm. requ- requires d- digging very deep into characterization. Yeah. Um, one and it, it's a romantic comedy, so super fun. Yay. And um, so I decided to storyboard it. And awesome. um, it made sense because this character, she has two best friends, which are kind of like her co-stars in the book. Um, and I'm actually looking at maybe doing some spinoffs with those characters. So yeah. they're very important characters in the book. Um, I kind of storyboarded <laughs> those characters and then some of the crazy kooky dates that she goes on. I uh-huh. kind of, I storyboarded each one of those because it kind awesome. of helped me build some consistency in terms of, okay, this guy is like, you know, dirty smelly and this guy is like... <laughs> You know, the, you know, I don't know, but you know, it's just, I, I broke them down right? Um, and it gave me some structure to yeah, follow, Yeah. but, and so <coughs> I can very, very much see the outline of mm. like how the book is going to flow. Like mm-hmm. I know the things that are going to happen, mm-hmm. but I don't know the ending. Oh, that's so interesting. I don't know. I haven't made, and I, I feel like that's a, that's a pattern for me Yeah. that I will tend to write, but I don't know, like. I don't know if I'm going to give her a happy ending with a guy or if she's going to um, decide that the, her, that she, her best person is herself or something, you know, I don't know yet. Um, yeah. And I, I won't know until I get to a certain point within yeah. the book with, with the, the decision. I didn't know how I was going to write those last couple of chapters until uh-huh. I was writing them. That's interesting. But, and yeah. I've heard other writers write that way really? too. Yeah. Yeah. That could be maybe why I tend towards nonfiction more because <laughs> I'm like, I want to know how it is. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, nonfiction is so much more finite. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's funny because when I was writing the decision, like, so it's, it's funny, the inter- the iterations between it, because I still think we we have decided that that's that book is really kind of in the fiction world. Yeah. Um it's travels it kind of touches a little bit the nonfiction. Yeah. But it's it's very much written in a fiction style. Yeah. And um it, the the messages that are in it are nonfiction. Yeah. And when I decided I wanted to write this book, it was like, okay, I'm going to write a nonfiction book. <laughs> and I like started to do the outline and I started to write it and I was like, this sucks. You know like <laughs> I don't, I don't like this at all. (laughs) And, um, and so the style that I, that I created in migrated from that because my style naturally goes toward the fiction. And when I started to write it that way, then everything came together and it flowed. It's just, it's just the way I write. I think you bring up a couple of really good points. One is it's okay to be part way through the process and go, this sucks. <laughs> and no, and start over because yeah. I think I think a lot of writers frustrate themselves by saying, well, I'm on this path and I'm going to go down it, doggone it. And why waste your No, why beat your head against the wall? It's hard enough to write a book yes. without doing it that way. 
But I love this um, because you did migrate from nonfiction to fiction. The the topics that you're talking about are very real. Yeah. And I, I think that touches on another point of fiction is a lot of times it has to be it, it depends on the genre, mm-hmm. but if you're writing about something that's that's real, quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, not science fiction, you're writing about um, people in a workplace. Mm-hmm. It has to look and feel like what the reader expects. Yeah, for a workplace. Yeah, it made me think about a um, expression: uh, "Truth is stranger than fiction," hmm. because there's events that will happen in in the world and you're like if somebody wrote that as a story it would be too fantastical for someone to be for it to be believed true so so it even though you know fiction is incredibly creative you have to keep in mind um, the boundaries of your reader's believability. Is yeah. that a good way to put it, maybe? Yeah. It, you know, if, if you um, say uh, in the decision, and you did not do this wisely, but um, if, if in the decision, which is based in a workplace, if all of a sudden she opened a door and fell into Narnia, <laughs> you'd be like, what the what? You know what I mean? The, the reader, I mean, that's obviously like a genre switch. But, yeah. but um, you know, the reader would be like, that can't happen. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. So yeah. I, I, I think that's an interesting part. I think that's why storyboarding too, it helps you keep that continuity. It's Would a you process. Agree? Yeah. yeah. I think it takes you, for me, it took me through the process. It helped me yeah. think about the story that I wanted to tell and what I wanted my characters to go through. Now, interestingly enough, um, my storyboard like my outline, just very, very simple. I did not storyboard my entire plot. Mm, okay. Uh, but you can. Interesting. This, I storyboarded my characters. Um, okay. Because, what does that look like? Um, Basically, I kind of just built this big board and I put uh-huh. that, I put each character and I wrote down different characteristics of that character. Okay. And it helped me build who I wanted them to be. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And I don't say this to trivialize it, but it almost sounds like you're building like a dating profile. <laughs> it kind of, well, for this particular book, for this particular book, it kind of is that way because yeah. she dates all these weird guys. Yeah. And so, yeah. and that was the reason why I think if I didn't have, have her dating all these different guys. Right. I don't know if I would have used storyboarding as a, um, as a tool Interesting. because I had, I have a very clear idea in my mind of who she is. Right. Right. And I have a very clear idea in my mind of who her two friends are, gotcha. um, which are your, like all your main characters in the book. What I have not fully defined are mm-hmm. each of these guys, but their characterizations, while they're going to be very vivid, uh-huh. they are, they're blips in the screen throughout the book yeah. because you know, she's dating these guys, but they're not permanent. Right. Whereas the other people are more permanent fixtures and they each have their own storylines that kind of run behind the scenes. Right. So I I wanted to do a storyboard because they're one, it's so many of them. Yeah. You know, and, and two, I yeah, it, it helped build that continuity so I could say, okay, this guy, this is the problem that she had with right, them. Right. This guy, this is the problem she had with them. Love and those that. are the different things that as people are reading it can say, oh, yeah, I've dated that dude. I've dated that <laughs> yeah. dude. Yes. 
you know, that's that's kind of what I was going for. Right. Um, right. And I it's not overly detailed. Right. Um, so just depending on depending on how you process and work what works best for you. Yeah. You could do a storyboard that's more detailed if yeah. that works for you. Yeah. Um, but for me, it wasn't overly detailed. It just gave me enough so that as I'm working on that scene, uh-huh. I know who this person is. Right. And then I can kind of go from there. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's I love fun. That. That's very cool. Yeah. That also reminds me of something that we had talked about before with um, uh, The Decision and other books, um, <clears throat> is how much characterization to develop. And yeah. I loved how you addressed the decision. So if you don't mind, talk about that. <laughs> well, it's funny because it was a battle. And uh-huh. I, and I, you know, you and I talked about this with the decision because the decision, I, it, it rides the line of care of um of fiction. We've defined it as fiction, I guess. At it this is, point. yeah, yeah. And um and the question I asked myself as I was writing this book is, is it really fiction? Because I did not dive very very deep into characterization. Mm-hmm. But one of the essences of this book is to put the reason why it's called the decision is it puts the choice in the hands of the reader. Right. Um, to to pretty much navigate the life of the main character. And as you do that, um, because of the way it's written, I think it was important. You brought this to my attention, Kim. It's important for a lot of the a lot of the things that happen. Well, not happen, but a lot of the characters to be up to the interpretation mm-hmm. of the reader, because that's really the whole essence of the book. Right. And so. The characterization in the decision was actually deeper than I thought it was because I built the characters based on you, you know who they are. Mm -hmm. I just don't, the characterization that I don't do in this book is she had long blonde hair and long lashes and blue eyes. And, you know, it's not, it's not that characterization where you can read and like visually like see who that person is, but you know that this person is very strong willed and that they, um, they don't take crap. And if they try to do this, she's going to do that. Like, you know, who she is, Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know, who like the the boy, you know, who the people are. Mm -hmm. And I left the other pieces to your interpretation because there's so much of an element of choice in this book. Yes. That person could be whoever you, it could be you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, if you relate to that person, it's you. Um, so yeah, I want to tell you, I, I think that's very skillfully done because well, you. you're welcome. Uh, it wasn't on purpose. No. <laughs> <laughs> you're too funny. No, but it really is because. Well, maybe it was. I don't know. <laughs> Because I've picked up books before, and like you said, fiction's supposed to be fun and escapist, but sometimes yeah. um, writers will get so caught up on the, the same thing, you know, her dark raven hair was blowing in the oh wind, my gosh. and she carried her Prada purse, and blah, 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 and I'm like, <laughs> okay, that's nice, but, you know, I it, some details are telling, and then sometimes it's like, uh, you know, are you writing much. a fashion magazine, or are we telling <laughs> Story. I'm very well, critical. No, I get it. Like you're talking about those books where you open up and it's like the whole first like three pages is like all paragraphs. Yes, it's like, all where's the dialogue? Yeah, it's like blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. I but hear but, people talking and like something's got to happen. Yeah, some yeah, yeah. I love it. It's it, I kind of liken it to um, 
um, a full-blown oil painting versus a sketch. Mm. And when you have a sketch, um, a lot of times you, as the observer of the sketch, read into it what you see yes. versus the oil painting. There's no interpretation except you know, it is, it is you what it, it is kind of thing. That makes sense. So, yeah, but, um, but yeah, I think, I think it's really well done. And, and um, I think the, the storyboarding really, really helped with that. So, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. All right. What else are we covering? Um, let's see. So um, I think if we continue out on that spectrum of um, fiction, cause um, you go into uh you know, worlds that don't exist, um, yeah. science fiction, um, the like world Narnia. of Harry Potter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Narnia. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I think what, what makes something like a Harry Potter or Creating a Lord of the languages. Rings. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, a, that, that's unfathomable to me. That's, that's amazing. Oh, like J.R. Tolkien and yeah. he created Elvish and yes. all this stuff. I'm like, I can okay. barely grasp French. <laughs> English for that. <laughs> there are like, days. There are days. Yes. <laughs> but having that kind of creativity and it's such it's such amazing. I'm so impressed when people have that sort of fantasy yeah, life that they can invent that. And um and and when it's skillfully done, it's awesome. Yeah. When it's done badly, it's really bad. <laughs> that's, that's the risky yes. thing about going out into that. But um yeah. But yeah, you know, creating a whole new brand new world, like like um I always like to talk about Harry Potter. The Harry whole Potter. Hogwarts world and it has elements of, you know, quote unquote our world. Yeah. I mean, he goes to school. It's yeah. not like he doesn't, you know, do stuff like that yeah. but, but his school is so different and unusual and it's and it I think that's a lot of the fun part of it is wouldn't wouldn't it be amazing to wake up and and realize that you were meant for some incredible special purpose that you didn't even know about and you wake up and you know yeah and yeah. and so that that's really the core of the story all the other parts are like icing on the cake you know mm-hmm. all the fun details of the you know birdie bots every flavored candy and you know all those crazy things yeah so i i don't know i i think too when you're doing that kind of fiction it's more important than ever to have a, a a storyboard oh my gosh yeah and to have a bio sheet and to understand your character backwards and forwards and especially in these days of the internet you do not want to say a character was born on the planet Zeltron and it turns out they were born on, you know, Star 51. <laughs> not a science fiction writer, in case oh you can tell. But you know what I mean? And, yeah. and then have it be like, because nothing irritates me more than than reading a book and you're all engaged in it and it's fantasy and then they say something wrong. Case in point, went to watched a movie the other night. It was called The Beguiled. And it was a perfectly good movie, but it was supposed to be set in Virginia in the Civil War. Yeah. And they had Spanish moss in the trees. <laughs> when have you ever seen Spanish moss in Virginia? It grows in South Carolina. That's about as far as it comes. That ruined the whole movie for me. The whole time I kept going, look at that stupid Spanish moss. <laughs> <laughs> this That's is not hilarious. Virginia. You are so funny. But you know what I mean? Something I get like it. that. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's well, I, I think I think the the more creative you get, mm-hmm. 
with a fiction, the more layers you build, the more important it is to develop some form of organization. Yes. Even if you're the type of person that can just write as you go, because that's very much my style. Yeah. Um, you will find yourself as you're as you're, you're writing as you go. You'll repeat yourself. You're, mm-hmm. You'll you'll um, contradict yourself. So the best way for you to organize your thoughts is to do something like a storyboard. And I think a storyboard is very effective for creative people because yeah. it's a creative process. Mm-hmm. So oh, doing it in point. itself is 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 creative. So you're not outlining is not. I was about to say, what would you rather do, a storyboard or an outline? Outlining is not. And I, I don't <laughs> like outlining. Um, <laughs> I got that impression. I got excited when I did my storyboard. I was like, I'm going to get me some poster board. That's I got me awesome. some different color markers or whatever. Like, I want a storyboard right now. You know, because I have cool. a gazillion markers in my office. Yeah. Um, you do. I do. Um, <laughs> but you will find lots of markers and different color pens and um journals because yeah. that's just me yeah um but yeah storyboarding is a very creative process so if you're a person who is not inclined toward the outline you'll find that so it can be fun to do yeah, that. yeah most definitely so. so yeah awesome cool does that cover about everything i think so perfect All right, Kim, are we ready for a quick recap from what we talked about today? Absolutely. I find this so interesting. I love it. Yeah, love it's it. very cool. So so talking about migrating uh, from nonfiction to fiction and the spectrum from yeah. writing uh, no fact, no facts, no, no, all facts, all facts, <laughs> all facts, newspaper style, right, to all the way to uh, fantasy. Yeah, fantasy. Exactly. And all the steps in between. Yeah. And and one of the things that we really established when it comes to nonfiction is um, nonfiction is very straightforward mm-hmm. um, because because you are telling facts or you're telling something based on facts mm-hmm. or based on knowledge that you have. Right. Um, it's very easy to write it in a very um, uh, logical, straightforward way. Right. Um Fiction is very different. Yeah. From that. Yeah. Um, it's not logical. Yeah. Um, a lot of times um, it's not straightforward. It just really depends on the story that you're telling. And it's not fact. It's coming straight from your head. Yeah, exactly. Very yeah. true. And and I loved um, I loved your point about opinion that when when you introduce there's there's fact which on the one side of the spectrum, then mm-hmm. you sort of have opinion that mm-hmm. gets introduced in the center and then fiction tends towards uh, pure creation. Yeah. So. And I and in my opinion, I think a vast majority of the uh, nonfiction books, with the exception of your memoirs, which mm-hmm. we've talked about, right? Um, I think the vast majority of your fiction, really, nonfiction, really falls in that opinion. Yeah. Area. Yeah. Because people are telling are telling that story or they're giving you advice based on their experiences. It's their perspective. Very true. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for joining us, you guys. And um, be sure and leave us a comment and uh, let us know if you've migrated something from nonfiction to fiction. Yeah. And uh, have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Sociable Scribes podcast. Don't forget to tune in next week to learn more amazing tips on writing and publishing. And if you like this podcast, please leave us a review and share it with a friend.